I don't know why I don't read his words every day. They're just uh, amazing how he uh, gets to the point. And I kind of was amazed this week with how the Spirit works because um, I knew that I wanted to talk about this idea of the beloved community. Um, by the way, thank you for all of you who read some some of those quotes about that. I appreciate it much and caring for all that exercise. Um, and uh, But when I, when I thought about doing that, I thought I'd end up with one of those... Uh, scripture passages about love or one of those about how we all have different gifts in the body of Christ and it's all kind of nice and, and dreamy and all of that. Um, instead, I was led to this passage from the Acts of the Apostles, which in a lot of ways, it is just so perfect because if you think about what the Acts of the Apostles is about, it's the book in the Bible about how after Jesus died and rose from the dead, how the community of Believers tried to figure things out without Jesus to ask, answer every question for them. How were they to come together? How were they to, to be this beloved community that Jesus had um, walked them into and taught so much to them about? Um, and so, isn't it true? You know, it's great to talk about the dream. But it's the nitty-gritty stories of life that really tell the truth for us, right, about what's going on. So I want to walk through a little bit of this reading again from the Acts. Uh, make sure it soaks in what's really going on here. So now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles, so those are the not-Jewish people, those are the, well, whatever they might believe in, from the Jewish perspective, they didn't believe in anything real, right? So, um, so the Gentiles, had, some of them had also accepted the word of God. Isn't that wonderful? But it's a problem. Those of you who have been part of church for a long time, you know about this. It's wonderful to have new people. But they, they came out of a different past. They came out of a different background. They think differently, they do things differently, they value different things than what those of us who have been here do. So, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, okay, now, the ones who got circumcised back then were those who were Jews. It was a required ritual to be circumcised. So the circumcised believers criticized him. I mean, yeah, they, they had to go through that horrible circumcision and all of that. And, and of course, everyone's going to have to go through that if they want to be part of this. Saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men and then you even ate with them? So they haven't been through the right things yet. You know, what could they have been talking about? And you actually ate the same foods with them? That's crazy. From their world that they lived in, they just could not imagine. So then Peter began to explain to them step by step, saying, and then he tells this vision that he had, this trance. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision 
It was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. Well, I'd like to see that one made into a movie. That's, that's quite the vision. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. So basically do what you would never have done as a Jew. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has even entered my mouth. Isn't that amazing? God's telling him to do this. But we get so used to, this is the way it's supposed to be. I was always taught this. Right? So, first of all, the Gentiles, they don't understand it. And um, Peter goes and talks with them and eats with them anyway. They don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. They don't even agree that this is what they're supposed to be doing if they're going to follow Jesus. Um, and now God's telling Peter to go against everything he's ever known. So Peter pushes even God away. I wonder if we ever do that. We push God away because it doesn't fit into everything we've always known. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. So God basically says... Uh, I'm calling this clean. This is fine. This is not going away from any of the purity that you believe in. This is fine. Do you get it? So this happened three times. Because it's a little slow. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. And the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. Not to make a distinction between them and us. Did you listen to some of those Martin Luther King quotes? Not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house and he told us how he had seen the angel standing in the house and saying... Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will give you a message by which you and the entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had at the beginning, just as it had, for example, at Pentecost among the believers. Just as the same way, even though these are different people from a strange land. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? And when they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, that God has given even to the Gentiles, even them, the repentance that leads to life. What an amazing story. We could, we could sit, if we wanted, in little groups and come up with situations in our own lives, in our own churches, that parallel that same sort of struggle. Where we are struggling to understand 
how it is God doesn't want us to make a distinction when we've made a lot of distinctions. You know? Um, and that's what Martin Luther King is trying to, to work through here. He has a vision for the beloved community. If you go to, to Martin Luther King's uh, center, the Martin Luther King Center website, you can actually uh, see some of the putting out in more detail um, some of Martin Luther King's philosophy, starting with the triple evils of poverty, racism, and militarism that led him to call for the Poor People's Campaign. And that campaign has been reinitiated now, um, adding the, uh, the violation that we do to our earth and our environment as a fourth, triple e- a fourth of the evils. Um, but on that website, you're going to see Six principles of nonviolence, and when you think about nonviolence, don't don't just picture in your mind uh, the civil rights time where they were getting beaten in the streets or something like that. Martin Luther King Jr. is talking about violence at all sorts of levels. The violence that happens when we do make a distinction between ourselves and others, when we do say, "You don't know our ways; you need to learn our ways," but we don't need to learn your ways. The violence that we do from that. The violence that we do when we say, this is of God, but God said, no, it isn't. What you've said is not good. It's fine with me. These, this is the kind of violence that leads to that external violence that we see. So it's six principles of nonviolence. Um, first of all, being nonviolent is courageous. Second, um, you want to make a friend and understand the, the one who you don't, who's maybe your opponent or seems to be your enemy or whatever. The goal of nonviolence is to make a friend of them. To defeat injustice, but not people. Would that help us today? To fight injustice and defeat it, but not defeat the people. This one would take more time, I'm sure, but it was, it's a very important part of our um, following of Jesus. Suffering can educate us and transform us. I guess if it's going to do that, we shouldn't avoid it when, when it's thrust upon us. Choosing love instead of hate and the universe is on the side of justice. A universe is on the side of justice. There's also on that site steps towards nonviolent change and more of a description, but you heard it in many of those quotes of the beloved community and what it's all about. I mentioned earlier this month that I was going to be talking about community. Um, and I'm doing that this week and next week. I also uh, wrote uh, the Faith in Focus column that was printed in the paper this week. I don't know how many of you saw it, but um, as I was thinking about community, this column is not supposed to be one where you pit disagreements against each other, but you help people in a devotional way to encourage them spiritually. Uh, And this article um, focused very much on how often in the church we focus on 
how, what it means to deepen our spirituality in a personal and an individual way. But that actually an important spiritual step in our lives is to become part of community and to do the work of building community, to become the beloved community. It's a central part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, um, is to, to do that work. And this is a spiritual act. It's not like we as individual spiritual people come together so we can do something together. It's actually a spiritual act to become community in the ways that Jesus called us to become, in the ways that Martin Luther King calls us into the beloved community. So it is something that we're going to spend a little bit more um, time talking about. Um, so, you know, you could watch all the programs or read all the books about being a follower of Jesus, and you could deepen your prayer life, you could do all of that. But if you don't engage in the work of becoming the beloved community, um, you kind of you miss it. You kind of miss what it really is all about. So one of the things, I actually have a handout today. Um, you maybe spread those around. I actually got this off a United Methodist website. Um, it says at the top, the beloved community manifests and protects agape love. And you heard that in one of the quotes I think that Lisa read. Um, as its guiding principle and is expressed in the following ways. And it quotes, and it has lists 25 different ways that the beloved community manifests um, and protects agape love. And I'm not going to read all 25 to you right now, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of them for you. So the beloved community, number one, offers radical hospitality to everyone. Right? Radical hospitality to everyone. An inclusive family rather than an exclusive club. The beloved community, number two, recognizes and honors the image of God in every human being. All right. That seems fine. But think of somebody who you're in tension with, or somebody you really don't like, somebody in public life, or somebody you know personally, who you really don't like them. Have you ever spent time thinking about where the image of God is in that person? It's there, somewhere. How would that change us if, instead of railing against those we don't like, we sought to understand the image of God that is in them. Jumping down to number seven, the beloved community builds increasing levels of trust and works to avoid fear of difference unto others. How do you build trust? You know, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, if we want to become the beloved community, we have to spend more time listening to each other's stories. But the trust question comes right away because if we sat around and told our life stories to each other, there is not a person here who wouldn't leave some part of the story out because they don't know if everyone in the room could be trusted with that. What would they do with that embarrassing story or vulnerable story or whatever? Or would they blame them for this bad thing that happened? 
um, the trust thing comes in right away. So how do you do the work to build that trust? And it is work. Number nine, the beloved community acknowledges conflict or pain in order to work on difficult issues. Acknowledges conflict or pain. Acknowledges it, says it, consciously, aware of it. Number twelve, the beloved community resolves conflicts peacefully without violence. That means without also doing violence to the other person's integrity as a human being in the image and likeness of God. Without violence, recognizing that peacefully doesn't always mean comfortably for everybody. Yes. Number 13. The beloved community releases resentment and bitterness through self-purification, i.e. avoidance of internal violence through spiritual, physical, and psychological care. So to release the, the, the resentment and the bitterness and not to be violent toward another person, we got to take care of ourselves. we got to get help to resolve the things that are unresolved within us. Because otherwise we know it, right? It will spit right out on somebody else. Number 19, the beloved community blends faith and action to generate a commitment to defeat injustice, not forgetting that injustice can also be found within the church. That's clearly an important part of Martin Luther King's beloved community is, is to defeat injustice, but not defeat a person. Number 22, beloved community gathers together regularly for table fellowship, and meets the needs of everyone in the community. My article this week quoted Acts chapter 2, um, which no one actually ever wants to hear preached on because basically it says, you know, we're going to guarantee in the community that everybody's need is taken care of and we'll sell everything we have to make sure that happens, including our house. You know, very radical notion of what this beloved community is about. Number 24, the beloved community promotes human rights and works to create a non-racist society. Because, as the Acts reading talked about, there is no distinction. These false distinctions that you had to be circumcised and because that makes you the pure one and somebody else isn't. And they're the stranger and they don't understand. I'm the, I'm the insider, I do understand. I can tell you what you need to do. Um, you know, that's why we need the human rights because we make too many distinctions in promoting human rights and creating a non-racist society is part of overcoming all that and it's hard work. And number 25, the beloved community shares power or control is another word for that and acknowledges the inescapable network of mutuality among the human family. I think that was actually in um, one of the things we read in the call to worship, I think it was today. By the way, in your bulletin today, everything that's italicized is actually Martin Luther King's words uh, that are in there. So just keep your eyes out for that sort of thing. 
this is what the beloved community is about. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we get together and have meals and just hug each other and say we love each other. It means doing this kind of work. And what I only read a handful of them is it, it's a lot of work, isn't it? To, to be this beloved community. Martin Luther King Jr. inspired us. He believes this is realistic. He believes we can do this. He believes that it's the call of Jesus. He believes this is what's going to transform the world. Maybe the world hasn't been transformed yet because not enough of us are willing to do the work of the beloved community because it's hard. The question today as we honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is we're willing to step it up in our lives as the, as the quote on the very front of the bulletin says, are we willing to step it up in our lives to make a qualitative change in our souls and a quantitative change in our lives? Qualitative change in our souls and a quantitative change in our lives. That's the call to us today. Are we, are we willing to do that? It isn't going to just happen. God doesn't take a magic wand and God took care of creating us in the image and likeness of God. That was the magic wand. And now the question is, are we going to work with God's creation? Are we going to tear down the walls and the barriers of distinction and prejudice and hatred and, and uh, they're the stranger and they don't know? Are we going to tear all of that down? Are we going to do the work to get to a new way? Are we going to do the work of that redemption, of that reconciliation, that we might all be one? It's a question we each of us are called to, to ask ourselves and to answer and to step it up, to become part more deeply of the beloved community highlighted by Martin Luther King Jr., but first shared with us in the life and the ministry of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen.